my first uh, 15 minutes I'm going to use to look at the next 13 weeks of uh, exchange and where we're going to be going, what we're going to be doing, and uh, how that's going to impact who we are and what we're about. Uh, so we're starting a series uh, called Welcome to Church. And if you were at our family meeting a, a few weeks back, which I want to just say thank you for, we had over 80% of our families at Exchange represented at our family meeting. That's incredible. That's incredible. And we, the 20% the of families, most of you were out of town and just had other things. We've caught up with a lot of you. That's actually unheard of. And so we want to say thank you for that. One of the things that we mentioned briefly was our new teaching series uh, and a major milestone for exchange on the realignment on how we think about church uh, and a series we're calling Welcome to Church. And let me explain my, my term realignment for a minute. There's something you might be familiar with with your car uh, and maybe uh, you've hit some potholes or had some work done to your wheel assembly. The shop recommended an alignment. Or maybe you noticed your tires were wearing thin in one direction or another, maybe on the inside or the outside, and the shop recommended a realignment. Or maybe when you're driving down the road, your car just naturally wants to go in one direction or another, and it actually takes effort to keep it going straight. You need a realignment. And so that when that's the case, we, we kind of put it in the shop, we put it on these balancing things, and, and they, they put it to true north. They realign it uh, regardless of what you've been through, what you've encountered, the potholes, your wheels, your balance, all the things to where you're going exactly straight. So I want to be clear, this isn't just an exchange or even aggressively exchange series, but this is a series I believe or a teaching I believe the American church desperately needs. And exchange is no exemption. Gallup just released a poll that was really, really interesting. It was a study and a survey compiled over 20 uh, years of data. And in 2003, they asked American adults if they would rate something extremely or very important. It wasn't even a scale. It was just they listed certain things and they asked the question, what would you rate these things extremely important or very important in your life? Things like community activities, hobbies and recreation, investing your money, fulfillment in work, uh, building a good friend network, prioritizing your health, family, and one category was religion and church community. Every single category, every single category in this poll over the next 20 years, they just did an update on that in 2023. Every single category in this uh, survey had massive increases, some double-digit increases of percentages of adults who would say, I find these things very, very important, except church community, which was the only subject to see an almost double-digit decrease. That's just where we're at. This is where we're at, where we say, what is important to us? But it's easy if we're honest, our life is busy and filled with all of the other things that we have uh, to give and something has to give. Most of us don't have days in our weeks where we get to say, I mean, I don't know what to do today. I don't know what to do with these hours. 
And so we fill them up and fill them up and fill them up to a point where we have to begin eliminating things. And America has said, the first thing that we're gonna eliminate is church. And so before we get there, I and our elders say, let's talk about church. Is there a reason why scripture puts so much importance on it? With the rise of podcasts and streaming services, isn't it just as good if we kind of listen in while we're making breakfast on Sunday mornings? In Hebrews 10, verse 23, he says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one to another to love and to good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as in the habit of some. The writer of Hebrews here actually commands us in this moment to not forsake the gathering together because it helps us cling to our faith. He says, we protect our faith from wavering, especially in these tumultuous days by gathering together. Our protection from this world does not come from a podcast. It does not come from a streaming service. It does not come from listening in online. It comes from the gathering together, he says. So what do we believe about this gathering? And a question that we need to answer is what do we expect from it? If it's important, we should have expectations. And I believe this is very, very important. And so over the next uh, 13 weeks, uh, our elders actually this past year have been studying this, praying about it, uh, just forming out and and, uh, plotting out a plan for us. We're gonna answer some questions about what we say is a four-way commitment about the church. And so we're going to like realign ourselves on this four-way commitment of the church. And I'm going to give you a roadmap today so you know where we're headed. Uh, The first uh, sermon starts next week. Ed's going to preach to us. And this is going to talk about God's commitment to the church and through the church. Did you know there's things in scripture that God promises to only do in and through the church? That's how he says he's going to accomplish his mission, only in and through the gathering of believers. He promises that he's going to do that. And so we should have a really, really, really good idea if we're gonna wake up in the morning, if we're gonna get ready, if we're gonna go to small group, if we're gonna invest our lives in the lives of the people that aren't just here on Sunday mornings, but in our community, if we're gonna invest our lives into them, we should have a really good idea about what God promises he's gonna do through that and in that. And he makes some promises. He makes some promises that are exclusive to the church. And this is why, this is the underlying foundation of why everything's important. And if you think about it for a second, if God has made promises and he's chosen the church to fulfill his mission, then he probably has a structure to his church as well. In fact, scripture speaks a lot to that structure. That's honestly scary for those of us who lead the church. There's been some passages this year that I've wrestled with a lot. Passages like uh, that, that those who lead are going to give an account for your souls. You know, scripture doesn't really define that so great. I'm searching for footnotes. I need an appendix. God, what does this look like? I mean, when we get to heaven, is he gonna say like, okay, Ed and Brian, you guys are next, back room. <laughs> You know, 
I don't know what that looks like, but I know what I don't want it to look like. I want, I, I want it to look like Christ saying, well done. But if we're able to do that, if we're able to lead the church, and if we're able to, uh, to fulfill our mission here, I think there should be expectations on how we lead. I think the Bible's not just clear on who should lead the church, but how we should lead the church. So week two, uh, we'll cover uh, the commitment of leaders to the church. So first commitment is what is God's commitment to the church? The second one is what should you expect from your leaders at the church? Any church you go to, what should you expect from them? What are the scriptural requirements of not just who can lead, but how they should lead? What should you expect and demand from your leaders at church? And then there's a third uh, commitment, a commitment, uh, the church's commitment to members and outsiders. If someone were to walk in, what, how, would, how should they expect you exchange, those of us who call ourselves family of exchange, what should they expect from us? What should the principal at Rollsville Elementary expect from Exchange Church, the teachers here, those who live close to our community, the ones who we interact with and, and converse with in our daily lives, what should they expect from us? I think this is completely countercultural to, to how the American church is. The American church at the moment, I believe, is very consumer-driven in that we just come when we want, we sit down, we, we accept what we like, we kind of ignore the hard parts and what we don't like, and we leave. And this is totally different to walk in and say, man, I, I expect the people in this room to live in a way that does something for my soul. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. But what are those expectations? So after we look at these three commitments, we're gonna focus on the fourth, which is very individualistic, but also communal, in that what does the church expect from you? I think this is a really important question. And what we've done over the last year, our elders have taken, by the way, this is coming up on 10 years for exchange. Our elders have taken our original membership commitments. There's 11 of them. Can anybody quote them? I can't either, okay? There's 11 of them. Um, what I do know is that uh, Ed and I wrote those when we had no idea what it meant to pastor church. Right? <laughs> they were all biblical, they were all great, and there's 11 of them. We've taken 11 of those and we've uh, narrowed them down to five. And so we're, we are revamping our membership commitment through the series. And all, although I'll say this, uh, there's nothing in these five that, are not, that is not present in the 11. There's nothing new. We're, we are simplifying it and making it in a way that we can understand, that we can hold each other accountable to, and that we can also take steps in, in growth. And so that will be the next 10 weeks. We'll do two sermons on each commitment. Uh, the first is uh, actually, before we get to that, uh, I'm really excited about this part. So we have three commitments, God's commitment to the church, uh, leader's commitment to the church, and the church's commitment to the church and also the outside world. And then we'll kind of, uh, we won't pause on a Sunday morning, but on that next Tuesday, we'll have an open forum discussion with the elders at the office. So this is not a one-way uh, monologue. This is a dialogue. It's a family conversation. 
So we'll have a time of prayer and dialogue at our flex space. This is not gonna be a time of reteaching. It's not gonna be and a one more thing. It's literally, we have no agenda except to like, we wanna hear your thoughts, your questions. Uh, we wanna hear the spots that were tough, that, were, uh, that you thought, man, this really resonates with me. Uh, we wanna hear the spots where you say, I don't really know how to carry this out. Let's pray about it. So we'll pause on that and then we'll come back the next week and we'll begin, what does the church expect from you? And here's the first commitment, a commitment to pursue community and embrace accountability. To pursue community and embrace accountability. To pursue community. What does it look like to pursue community? To chase it down have your eyes fixed on a target of community that's more than just a friend circle, but that enables you to be accountable. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes Ed and I will have conversations with folks who they've been here for a, a minute and, you know, maybe a long time and they say, I, I don't feel connected. And so my, my first response, I'm going to just be honest, my first response to them, maybe you've been in this conversation, as I look back over the last six months and I say, okay, I want to help you form a roadmap. Tell me where we've been so far. Do you take advantage of our men's Bible study on Friday mornings? Ah, uh, no. It's early. Okay. Have you been to the women's Bible study on Tuesday nights? No. Okay. Okay. Uh, have you... Have you been to our family meetings that we've announced? Do you stick around for Sunday table after church on those Sundays? Well, you know, hey, listen, I, I'm going to just tell you. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil part of my sermon on that day. If your involvement is coming on a Sunday morning, you will not feel connected. You know why you won't feel connected? Because you aren't connected. It's, it's a legitimate feeling. And I, and I will uh, acknowledge and also verify that feeling. What you're feeling is true. You can't. So we pursue community by saying, man, church, this community is more than just this service that we come to. We sing some songs and we open scripture. This is something that we, we value and that we think is important for our family, for our souls. And so we're going to look at that for a couple of weeks, why that's a big deal. Uh, then we're going to look at uh, Scripture's mandate uh, for committing to, submitting to the care, correction, and the protection of leadership. If you have been through our membership class before, you, you've heard us talk about church restoration, church rescue. It's what happens in, in the formula that Scripture gives for chasing down those who are willfully choosing sin. And so this is, this is a, a really important part of who church is. But here's the, the also the, the thing that we've observed, not, not only at Exchange, but just, you know, in American culture. I've got plenty of friends who are pastors and uh, they, they have helped me see that this is true among their, their flocks as well. With, with the consumerism uh, idea and just mentality of America, right? That's, it's easy. It's easy for us. That is the stream and the current, and it's a strong stream and it's a strong current that we live in. 
It's very, 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 very easy to treat church like any other thing in life. Like, uh, this, is, this is a restaurant that I went to and I've had a bad meal here, so I'm never gonna go there again. Right, this is a gym membership that, you know, when I go there, whatever, like their treadmills are full, so I'm gonna just, there's plenty of other gyms. And in a church community and culture that you can drive five miles or, or a couple miles or less than that and go to another church. But the church, I believe, along with the declining value of church, has developed what I call a very easy eject button. As soon as I disagree, we're out. As soon as it's difficult or you've disappointed me or I've had a conflict with someone, I'm out. Scripture speaks a lot of, I mean, and this is the part that scares me. It, it speaks a lot of being a joy to be led and submitting to the leaders. But submission isn't submission if we only do it when we agree. That's just agreeing, right? There's no opportunity for change when we disagree and are discomfortable or, or maybe even when we're disappointed and we just say, okay, well, I'm gonna just go somewhere else. There's no opportunity for the Holy Spirit then to shift and to change our hearts. So what do we do? And so we're gonna look at what it looks like, not just to submit to the care, correction and protection of leadership, but the second sermon on that is gonna be how to disagree. How to disagree with leadership. What happens if exchange the, the elders, the collective elders make a decision that you adamantly disagree with? I think that's okay. I think that's good. Honestly, it, it creates dialogue. It causes us to pause sometimes, to listen, to have conversation. But there's always a posture. We're gonna talk about that. Because your posture can disqualify very quickly your position. Right? So that's week uh, three and four. We'll pause there again, and we'll have another open forum and discussion with the elders. Again, this is not a reteaching. It's not a and this. It's a time where we're there. We're ready to pray with you, to, to field questions, uh, concerns, thoughts. Did you think of this? That type of thing. So we'll come back. Uh, on October 8th and 15th, and we'll uh, talk about a commitment to protecting the unity and health of exchange. As a member, we commit to protecting the unity and health of exchange. You know, st scripture speaks a great deal on the danger of stirring up strife. What does that look like? What does that look like? Does it have to have malice attached to it? Does it have to have like evil intentions? Or can we actually stir up strife by only providing a listening ear? Ever thought about that? But how do you handle that? How do you handle those conversations when someone comes to you and says, hey, listen, I really need you to pray because they, they kind of preface their strife with a request for prayer. Have you ever been there? How do you respond to that? Uh, we're going to look at how to resolve conflict. Did you know the Bible gives literal, physical, straightforward ways to resolve conflict among us? 
How does that happen? What does it look like? When we protect the unity of exchange, we don't avoid conflict. We kind of step into it with a correct posture. And we say, man, I love you so much, I want to work this out. We can disagree, but I want to work this out. I think this is coming at a really good time uh, because, I don't know if you guys uh, know this or not, um, ne- this is 2023, next year will be 2024. And there will be many opportunities for us to disagree significantly in 2024. So we should have our stuff together, right? Right. Do you think for one second, it, we, we know this from scripture, the enemy schemes and plots. Do you think for one second he, he is not scheming on how to use this divisive thing in America to divide the church further. There's a plan. So let's have a plan. Let's us have a counteroffense. You're not coming in here like that. Not today. Right? So after that, we're gonna look at a commitment to sharing my time, resources, gifts towards the mission and ministries of exchange. And Acts 2 deals with and describes a radical way to live life with one another joyfully, willingly choosing to look out for the needs of others. Uh, So in addition to this radical way of life, Christ has given us these talents to be used, treasures to be released. And part of this series, we'll look at what it means. I don't know if you've ever wondered this, what it means to give out of ourselves. We'll talk a a section about what it means to, to give financially also and what God has promised to do in that. You know, there's a lot of debate even, uh, you know, within theological worlds, whether or not, you've probably heard the term tithe before. Does that mean anything? And is that still, is, are we so still supposed to do that? Now, much of the, the New Testament, we, we hear people talk about sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. I'm going to blow part of my sermon here too. Let me ask you this. Uh... When, when Mary pours the oil on Jesus, would anybody call that a sacrifice? Did she sacrifice that oil for him? You know who called it a sacrifice? Judas. Judas called that a sacrifice. You know what Mary called it? I'm just surrendering it. I mean, the only place that it belongs is on the king. What if we, what if we look at what we have, what we've been given, and what Christ asks us to do, not as a sacrifice, but as a surrender? How does that change our mentality? How does that change the way that we live our life? The things that we fill our life up with, what does that look like? Don't skip that sermon because I've already preached part of it, okay? Uh, And then another that will end on a commitment to engaging my circles as a full-time minister of the gospel. That one's gonna be fun. As a full-time minister, wait a second. Man, I'm I'm an engineer. 
I, I'm a welder. I'm a pilot. I'm a salesman. I'm a teacher. I'm a software engineer. You said full time. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible says that every member is a minister. Minister. What does that look like? And what would it look like if exchange this church in Roseville, surrounded by all of these homes and community, caught the vision for what does it mean to live our lives intentionally for the sake of the gospel? Wouldn't that be incredible? And then we'll end again with another forum, open discussion with the elders. And so um, that's our series over the next uh, 13 weeks. Uh, I'm gonna ask that you prioritize it. Maybe if you have to skip a week, if you're not here, maybe you're serving, you're one of the 103 uh, people serving in kids ministry. Maybe uh, you can make a point to listen to those sermons uh, online on your way to work. We're developing small group discussions, family discussions, and family challenges for every single week to help take uh, these things to the next level. We don't expect for per- perfection from these things, but we expect commitment and to say, like, I want to get better in these things. Right? And so our hope is that we're going to make it available for every family to have a private conversation with an elder at the end of this series to say like, what, what are your thoughts on this? Tell me what you're thinking with. Tell me what you're wrestling with, what your hopes are for this. Where's the Lord challenged you with this? And then after that, we're gonna have an opportunity for every family to renew their commitment and membership to exchange uh, on these five new membership commitments. Sound good? I'm really excited about it. And I'm really excited about the, the prayer and the work that the elders have done. They will be speaking uh, sometimes on this series as well. So it won't just be me or Ed. Let's put a period on Psalms, Psalm 64. And we're going to roll through really quick today. Uh, David is speaking again. Uh, and he um, actually, you know what, before we do that, how about this? Let's pause and pray for that series. Let's pause and pray for that series. Let's do that. Lord, we come to you today. We know that our hearts are finicky, sometimes wayward, and we can convince ourselves of anything. We can get online really quickly and find a blog that agrees with us. We can squirrel our hearts away from you easy. So Lord, I pray even now, In the next seven days, would you quiet our hearts? Would you lower our walls? And would you let us just sit and see what you have to say about the church? And would you change exchange and mold exchange and use exchange through this? Jesus, it's in your name that we pray.